Yeah. Uh, this book here is written 635 to 625 BC. What did they call that year? BC were numbers that were given much later anyway. Remember when we talked about the Jewish calendar, they had their own calendar that would have existed already. So there was no concept of what it was, but it would have been the Jewish year of what happened. And then that's also where you got the Jubilee years and all that as you counted that kind of stuff forward. So BC is a much later and BC AD would not have even been terms that Jesus would have been familiar with. That would have been, I can't give you a date, but it would be much, much later. So they would have used the Jewish calendar. Yes, yeah. And other people would have used their yeah. other calendars that they would have had as well. Because there was no standardized calendar. No, no. And, Chinese and, all that and even today, like you, there's Jewish calendars and Chinese. Now everybody operates for business sake and for travel and communication. The calendar is the one that we everybody would have but even today like the jewish people would celebrate the new year in september uh the jewish new year and it would be the year five eight forty two or whatever yes yes and in and in, in china you know you hear about the chinese new year and the year of the dragon and the year of the monkey or whatever it might be and those are the same you know that year is some huge number as well so do we have any idea if the calendar is halfway right, I mean, I'm serious. I mean, what I mean is this really 2021? 20, is that close? Well, if you're using the term AD as Anno Domini being the year of the Lord, probably not. Jesus was most likely born somewhere between 4 and 6 BC if you're looking at it for today. Um, so, probably not. Probably. And then, of course, there was the shift in the what the 1700s. From the, from the, from the Julian calendar to the Gregorian calendar. So, uh, and that, that complicates things. No, not, not too much. Not too much. I've always thought about that when these people start predicting the end of time because, Whose numbers are you using? Right, right. Um, Zephaniah, the fourth to last book of the Old Testament, number 36 on the list. Uh, I have worried all week that I'm getting this wrong. Here's why. There's Zephaniah, then there's another book, and then there's Zechariah. And there have been numerous times this week that I have thought, ready for Zephaniah, and then immediately thought, wait, no, is it supposed to be Zechariah? Mess with me all week. It is Zephaniah. So if it's not, if we're wrong, well then we'll flip it in two weeks and it'll be right in the same. We're talking about Zephaniah tonight, book number 36 in the Old Testament. What I want you to think about right now is a tunnel, okay? I want you to think about a tunnel that you drive through. But I'm not really wanting you to think about these new ones. If you've been through the Cumberland Gap Tunnel, or there's about roughly mile marker 10 on I-64 going into Louisville, there are, there's two tunnels, I think, there. But if you go through those tunnels, they're not really tunnels like you think of. Yeah, they're through the, they're underground, I understand that. But it's so lit up, like you could read a book in there, it's so bright inside us. I'm talking about the old school tunnels, okay? Thinking about old railroad road in Garrett County, where it's just black when you stare into it, okay? And in the movies, when you go into that tunnel, and it's super dark, 
and there can't anything good come from being in the sun, right? And as you start into that tunnel, it's really dark. But as you go a little further, it actually gets dark. And it gets darker, and it gets dark. But eventually, you start to see a little speck of light at the end of the tunnel, right? And it's not much, but you know it's there, and that's going to guide your walk, or your drive, or whatever it might be. But you go a little further, and that light gets bigger, to the point where you get to the end of it, and you see everything, right? There's no restrictions, there's no limit, there's no blackness, there's no covering that was over top of it. Well, my metaphor here might be stretched a little. We're not talking about this series of lessons. If you're thinking about that, I apologize if you're trying to find the light at the end of the tunnel for that. But we're actually talking about Zephaniah tonight. But we're, in a sense, talking about all of these minor prophets. Because all of these minor prophets are describing a time for the children of Israel, for the people of Judah, as they work their way through this tunnel. And it's seemingly black everywhere. Bad everywhere. But there will be little specks of light right at the end. Zephaniah three chapters. The three verses that Dad read are the last three verses in the book. Okay? And if you notice it, I will is mentioned five times. We'll get to that in a second, but we can't get to the end of the tunnel until we go through the tunnel. So tonight, what I want us to look at is, first of all, I don't know if this is what they look like or not, but uh, I, saw, I found this picture and thought it was kind of neat. So uh, these are all these people. I, I like the one of, uh, of Jonah right here. I, this was just a simple Google search uh, to find a picture, but we're talking about Zephaniah here tonight. Now, when we talk about Zephaniah, we talk about these minor prophets. Again, we're walking through this tunnel tonight. And in all of the minor prophets that we've talked about, there is sort of a negative or a despairing tone. There's something bad that's happened. The people are upset. Of course, most of it deals with the loss of their land of Israel uh, being taken over by Babylon. Or their neighbors have, uh, have caused problems for them. And we see that like, there's just bad everywhere. Evil everywhere. And a lot of times that evil is actually the Jewish people. That's not even necessarily, it's not necessarily a good guy, bad guy. It's kind of like everybody's a bad guy. And it seems like that we've talked about this before, but God's people fail to obey. And you think, you just want to shake them. Like, why, why do you continue to mess this up? And then death sort of takes them away with all these sort of negatives. But if it's a tunnel, there is some light in the distance, right? And so we think about light in the distance. There's a little bit of hope. And almost every one of these minor prophets has something good in them to look for, right? In all of these lessons that we've talked about, bad, 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 but then there's something good. Well, I think that's realistic for us, right? We talked a little bit about that last week. Negative, negative, negative. And so Zephaniah is going to follow a similar path. Okay, and we'll get to that here in just a few moments, but there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. But before we do that, we're going to start ourselves in Zephaniah chapter one. There's only three chapters and it's only just a couple of pages uh, that we're going to look at. But Zephaniah jumps right out of the gate with his first thing. Now, every slide is going to look like this. This is our topic. This is our verse. This 
are some points for us to think about. Okay? If I ask you to read, and that's a little hard to see, this is a short one, but there's some, if you want to go into your own Bible and read it, that's absolutely fine as well. But let's start with Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 2. And on my Bible, it says, the great day of the Lord. Now, how many of you have ever had a great day before? Probably all of us have, right? We can probably remember some great days. It might have been, you know, when our child, when the children was born. Uh, it might have been we went to, we went to something with family. You know, we can all think about a great day that we've had. It's weird that this is the title for what we're almost about to see. So let's look at Zephaniah chapter 1 and verse 2. Because it doesn't come across as the way we might use the word great. Jill, do you care to read Zephaniah 1, chapter 1, verse 2? I well, that didn't sound very great at all, right? The start, this is Zephaniah's opening sentence, as it was. I will greatly consume everything from the face of the Lord. Now, we have just walked into the tunnel, right? When we walk into the tunnel, if we're not going to be like Lot's wife and look back, we're going to keep going forward, it's dark everywhere. So, first thoughts here. First thoughts. Well, first, God goes on to say, we don't read, I didn't read all of this right here, but he goes on to say he's going to sweep away man, he's going to sweep away beasts, he's going to sweep away birds, he's going to sweep away fish, he's going to sweep away the wicked. Whoa, what are we really saying there? He's going to sweep away what? Everything, okay? So this is not a, you're going to destroy <clears throat> these couple of houses over here. You know? If you think about like a, her, a, a tornado that comes through. What's so weird about a tornado is it'll destroy this house and the one right beside it doesn't even look like it's even been breezy there, right? We've all seen that before. That's not the way Zephaniah describes this, right? It says this great day coming, the song that we sing, uh, it's going to sweep away everything. Okay, so what he's talking about here, there's coming here a day when God's going to destroy the earth. Right? Everything's going to be overthrown. Everything is going to be gone. These are people that would have lived through an experience that seems like this. They've been overthrown by Babylon, they've been overthrown by their neighbors, they've seen all these negatives. And so these people are prepared, or at least are hearing about this. Now, is there a New Testament equivalent? Well, in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10, Peter said the heavens will pass away with a loud noise, right? We recognize this verse. And the elements will be dissolved with what? Fire and earth and the works that are upon it will be what? Will destroy it or be burned up. And so Peter's even talking about this later. And so the first thing to know, the first thing Zephaniah says is that God will destroy the earth. We've stepped into a pretty dark tunnel. Now, if you think about that for just a second, the tunnel that we've stepped into, this dark place, the first thing we might want to say is, I want to come back. I don't think any of us truly want to see the earth completely destroyed, right? Think about that. Because we're connected to this place. I guess if we're dead, we won't think about it. But we think about things being completely destroyed. There goes my home. There goes my job, my car, things I've worked for. There goes people that I love that are gone. But we think about it on like an earthly sense, right? 
Because when the earth is destroyed, when God returns, when, when this happens, where are we going to go? To meet Jesus in the air. To meet Je- so that sounds, I can relate to that, right? I can relate to my house, and I can relate to my car, and I can relate to the things that I have and can physically touch, but maybe not what is coming. So we're into the tunnel here. We're a little bit deeper. God's going to destroy the earth. Thoughts on this before we go to the second one? The problem that we have is not knowing what that next thing is, right? Because it's one of these things, it's like, this is, you know, it, this is, it ain't very good, but it's the best we got kind of thing. And, you, and we have a hard time thinking like there would be something else. But we see that repeatedly throughout the Bible, right? We see those kind of, that's what Ben's referencing right there. So why is God destroying everything. I feel like that's the first question. So if we go into this tunnel and we see this milepost, the first one that we're going to ask is why? Yeah. Well, first of all, Zephaniah says in chapter 1, verse 4, God hates idolatry. And this is a big problem for the people that he's speaking to. Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 4. Uh, Melvina, do you care to read that one? So God hates idolatry. But this was something that they knew that was going to come. They said when these children of Israel went back into the Canaan land, they're going to meet all these other people. They're going to like their gods. They're going to want to worship them. That word Baal there is a generic term which represents all false gods, not a specific god. You say, well, I don't worship Baal, but it's a generic term that represents any type of idolatry. And so God doesn't want, as we can see here, false idols or false gods to have priority over him. What does the word priority mean? Some of my male people will know this, right? Presence. Priority male. Oh, is this little thing? Everybody on the post office has already quit, so I don't know if they know anything or not. But priority means it takes presence. How many of us have ever had a list of five things we got to do today, but one is priority? we got to get that done first. We have that list, and that's first. And there's some other things that I hope to get to it, but we may not be able to. I want to mow, but if it starts raining, we'll just wait till tomorrow. But there are things that are priority. God doesn't want other idols to take priority over him. Well, that's okay, Daniel. I don't have any idols. I don't worship anyone but God, right? I don't know who Baal is. This is for Old Testament people. I... What do we have in our life that takes priority over God? Sometimes time. Time? Jobs. Jobs? Money? Money? Anything. So what do we not then, right? Anything can be that bail to us, right? That idolatry. That thing that God doesn't want us to put first. Now, is time important? Is our time important? Is our job important? Is our relationships important? Absolutely. Sometimes people get this confused. Like it's got to be God up here and just throw everything else away. You can't live like that, right? You have things in your life that you have to experience, but you can't let them rank up here because that distance gets a little bit of space. God wants to be first. Priority. I have to do this first to lose something else. 
Now we're in the tunnel a little bit. We're deep into it now, right? Because now we're in, it's going to be hard to turn around. I got to give this, I'm, I'm kind of trapped here because these things are important to me. David, yeah, well, one more that I thought of, and I thought of a lot of the last few days, feelings. Sometimes our feelings trump God. Yep. I didn't get my way, or I didn't get what I wanted, so therefore I will reveal against God. Uh, and that's, a, that's, a, that's an idol just as well. Sure. I insist on getting my way. If, you, if sure. anybody that insists on getting their way, they're not converted. This is one of the hardest things with kids, right? Children suffer with this because children want their things, right? They want their way. And so if you have a child, they may want that. Now, me and Jill, we're a different spot. We only have one child, right? But those of you that have two children, you got to manage that, right? And sometimes you might, one, one wants something that the other wants. I don't know how this is because I was only four seconds or four minutes older than my sister. So I wasn't around. I didn't really get to experience this too much. But if you're the older child, and then when the younger one comes in, they're going to start getting some of my stuff. Boo, you probably relate to this, right? You used the oldest one, and they just, they just kept coming in. They did, but nobody wanted my stuff. <laughs> nobody liked your stuff. Nobody wanted my books or my, you know. <laughs> and when they came along, she just, we just yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to after me. That's right. That's what right there. But this notion of priority, this thing that I want this first. If we're not careful, we do that with every, I want this. This is what's working. The feeling's about something. This is what I want. Well, that's pretty easy if you're the only person. But most of the time, we're involved with other people, right? We have a business or we have a work. We work with other people. If you always get your way at work, other people. Well, if you're always wanting things your way, then God's not getting what he wants. Third, this so-called great day that we mentioned a minute ago is actually a terrible day. Now, this is Zephaniah chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. So if we skip on down just a little bit, if you're with me, you've got to turn the page just a little bit. But Zephaniah 1, verses 15 and 16. Uh, Boo, do you care to read that? So that song that we sing in the Bible, there's a great day coming, a great day coming, there's a great day in the songbook. There's a great day coming by and by when the saints, saints and the sinners are so probably right and left where you're ready for that day. What's the second verse? There's a sad day coming. There's a sad day coming. There's a sad day coming by and by when the sinner shall hear his boom. Depart, I know ye not. Are you ready for that day to come? What's the third one? That might have been third. I think that's the third. Yeah. Anyway, point is made. Well, we won't prioritize the third verse, all right? But Zephaniah chapter 1, verses 15 and 16 describes this day. So if you look at this, it says what appears it's a terrible and a fierce day. And on that day, God's going to execute his wrath against the world. Day of wrath, a day of trouble, a day of distress. A day of devastation and desolation. A day of darkness. A day of gloominess. A day of clouds and thick darkness. Third one, right in the dead middle of the tunnel. Now. You've been somewhere that's so dark you can feel it. 
Sometimes you can feel that in a picture, you know, maybe outside. Sometimes you can feel it in a cave or somewhere, right? Maybe deep in a tunnel. It's like you can just feel it. You are right in there. That's what this sounds like. Darkness, gloominess, thick clouds, thick darkness. A day of trumpet and alarm against the fortified cities and the high towers. See, bad, 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 bad. All of these things right here. And you say against the fortified cities and against the high towers. That says, oh, I'm protected against this. Well, I got, I got nothing to worry about here. The fort is around. We've got the high towers watching. Are those things going to be protected? Who's it coming for? Not our town, right? We're protected. It's coming for all. It's coming for all. It comes for all right there. The language here, pretty strong. You can't read this and say, wow, sounds great, right? If this was what the weatherman used to describe a storm that's about to come, how many of us would be heading to the basement or heading to the cellar? We don't, this, this is bad. Well, when we're reading this here, this day of the Lord, it's going to be t- So we have to figure out how do we avoid this? Avoid something like work. How do we make sure we're on the right side of this? Because if we're on the wrong side, what happens? Cut off, you're destroyed. Right side, situation's a little better. You know, in, in this day and time, particularly uh, when armies came in, like uh, uh, they came in and they took no prisoners most times. They, it, like when they walked around the city of Jericho, it was utterly, completely destroyed. Mm-hmm. And uh, we see like 9-11, you know, uh, uh, 3,000 people died, which is terrible. But it is picked us in Kentucky one speck. I mean, you know, Tennessee, not one speck sitting down playing with these so we know sometimes can't understand it, you know. Those days when those hordes came, you know, the Mongol hordes and stuff like that came out of the East, you know, and into Europe, they destroyed it. There's, there's no hope of surviving this, okay? And I think those people probably have better grasp of it than we do, don't you? Probably so. You know, a lot of people struggle with that too when you read in the Bible how God would send Israelites in and say, kill every man, woman, and child. You know, don't make many survive. A lot of people struggle with that, but you've got to look at it in terms of the cancer. These people, their culture, their, what they were doing was a cancer, and if God had let it go on, it would have completely destroyed what needed. But sometimes God got to do some mighty terrible things, but it's always for the good. See, I think you're both wrong. Because I got money here that I can get this all fixed, right? You know, a little bit of money. I got money that will be able to get all. Money fixes everything, right? Money will fix it all. Nothing to worry about. I got... Number four. Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 18. Money isn't going to do us any good. It's the one time that money doesn't do us any good here, right? Money, there's a, I, I have heard this, I've heard this song. You may have heard this song before. Lightning Hopkins. Lightning Hopkins. Blue singer from Houston. I think the ninth ward in Houston. But one of his fate, one of his best or most famous songs is it's a sin to be rich, but it's a low down, dirty shame to be poor. <laughs> and what he's saying is that it, you know, it's nice to be able to get something. You don't have, don't have anything. Well, it's nice to think, well, you know, the car is broke, but I can pay to get that fixed and everything will be fine. 
the air conditioner or the heater tore up, and it's going to cost a lot of money, but I can pay to get that fixed. Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 18. Lucille, do you care to read verse 18 there, please, ma'am? All right. This tough set of sentences here for me, who was relying on my money, my cash, my checkbook to get me out of this, right? Money. It's not going to do us any good. Their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them. You've heard some semblance of that sentence a million times in your life, right? You know, this is the, you, can't, you can't take it with you, right? You ever see that picture of the hearse pulling the U-Haul? Alan said that instead of inch of gold won't buy, I think it's a Chinese proverb, inch of gold won't buy a minute of time. Right. Yeah. An inch of gold will not buy a minute of time. So money is not going to do any good. So all the things that we've saved up for, that we've built for, if we go back just a minute ago, all those things that we're reluctant to see leave when the earth is destroyed are worthless when the earth is destroyed, Right? It's not going to do us any good. I can't load that stuff up. I can't sand. You know, we use the image of the pearly gates, right? It's it's not the ticket office of Reverend where I can just pay and get a seat. That's not how it works. We are to lay up our treasures in heaven, right? Real similar to James chapter 5, verse 1. Yes. Where it says, you know, all you rich people weep and howl and moan because your riches are going to get testimony against you. This is exactly uh, an excellent point because it says, but the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his what up there? Of his jealousy. All the things that you've put ahead, those idols that you put ahead, those things that mattered more to you don't matter that much now. You've been able to always get by with this thing. You can't. So like a lot of people gain these riches. But what actually saves a person? Right, the answer's on board. Yeah, I got, I got your cheat sheet up here for point number one. Well, Jesus, right? So the money doesn't matter. Me and a buddy of mine at work today were talking about, he's talking about, we, he was talking about the, um, the sort of the rich, rich young ruler. When he turns to he went away because he had great riches, right? And so he said, he said, it seems like it's a, he said, it's an anticlimactic part of the Bible. He said, Jesus says that. And the guy's just, he said, it's almost like a cartoon. The guy's like, "Eh," and then just walks away. He said, you feel like, you know, but that's what we do, right? Well, now this stuff is more important, but it's the Jesus that does it for us. No matter how much money we have, it's not going to work for us. Doesn't matter how much we have. Now, can you be rich and go to heaven? Can you be poor and go to heaven? Can you be somewhere in the middle and go to heaven? Of course. No, but financially. I don't mean lukewarm. I don't mean that. Okay? But yeah, but that's not the thing that's going to be upset. All right. We're almost out of the tunnel. One more stop. Zephaniah in chapter 2, verse 3, those who seek the Lord seeks shelter. Chapter 2 and verse 3. 
two and three. Connie, do you care to read that one? Seek the Lord, all you might of the earth, who have upheld his justice. Seek righteousness, seek humility, and it may be that you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. What does it mean to seek? Look for. Seek means to look for, to, to, to find something. Hide and go seek. I told you before, Will's the worst hide and go seek player in the history of the world. Laying in, under his bed with his legs sticking out like he's in the Wizard of Oz. Come find me. You're right there. Some things are easy to seek. Now, flip side. Our remote control, impossible to find. Our old remote control, there was a beeper on the box. If you could push it, it started beeping. Our new one, it just is there. And it's black, solid black. And you just cannot find it anywhere. Will likes to hide. He's better at that kind of hiding than he's on But when we seek something, seeking is an active activity. Can I use those words together? An active action. Whatever. I like the word active. But if you seek, there's work that has to be done. Whenever somebody plays hide and seek, you have to go try to find it. This says right here, those who seek the Lord seek shelter. It makes me think that you have to actively find the Lord. Is that how you read that? Right here. Seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth, who have upheld his justice. So the people who have done right still got to go seek the Lord. Seek righteousness. Is righteousness going to naturally occur or happen or be a part of my life? Do I have to effort to be righteous? Seek humility. Does that naturally happen? Or do I have to work toward it? Do you know anybody that's not humble? Yep. I ain't ready for it, right? You have to seek these things out. Because it says here at the end of that verse, it may be that you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. So on the day of the Lord, this great day coming, there's a great day coming, we need to have sought out the goodness of how to be a follower of God, correct? It's not just going to naturally happen. God's going to protect those who do what? Who seeks Him. Who does His will. Now, the first four stops in our tunnel been a little dark. But I'd argue that this one Exposed just a little bit of light, right? Because the first four were all things that were just going to happen. Good guys, bad guys, they were going to happen. But this one puts a little bit on us. Go seek. And let's see what happens. Five truths from the book of Zephaniah. This is Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 18 through 20. And if you look at those verses, that's what we read there a minute ago, you will see the term, I will. You'll see it multiple times. Verse 18, I will get, verse 18, I will gather those who sorrow over the appointed assembly, who are among you, to whom its reproach is a burden. Behold, at that time, I will deal with all who afflict you. I will save the lame and gather those who were driven out. 
I will appoint them for praise and fame in every land where they were put to shame. And at that time, I will bring you back. Five things and we'll call it a night. God looks for genuine contrition over sin. Oops, I messed up. Won't do it again. Is that genuine contrition? If you've got a kid, you've heard of that before, right? I won't do it again, I promise. If you've ever taught school, you've heard that plenty of times. I'll have my work tomorrow, Mr. Rockies, I promise. Lying right here. God looks for genuine contrition. Do we ever tell those kind of lies to God? We spot it really easy from the kid in the classroom. You aren't going to have it tomorrow. It's been three months. You haven't had it yet. Sometimes we have to think as God look at us in our contrition the same way. Number two, God deals with our adversaries in who style? Yes, we talked a little bit about this. The things that we want fixed, we want it fixed when? Now. That's, that's why I pray, right? I pray to get it fixed so it'll be done when I get up in the morning. Always works out that way, right? Is that how it works? It's not. Because God works on the inside. These problems that we want it our ways and not God's way. The Bible tells us that, right? Number three. God is the defender of the weak, right? These people that have suffered, these people that have been at the hands of people who abused, who used, we see this constantly throughout these minor prophets. People that have been treated poorly, people that have been overrun, but God said those people, those people that cared about him, those people that stayed within his fold, those are the people that are going to be brought up to heaven, right? They were the remnant that would be brought back to it. Number four. God will give back a thousandfold to all that we have lost for him. We think about all the things, but I can't, I, I'm going to go to church. I can't do that. I'm going to go to this function at church. So I can't do that. I'm going to do this. So, I gave up a lot of stuff, right? So I would be a Christian. When do you get the payback? When do you get the payback for those things? When does God pay you back for all the stuff that you've given up? Well, the mission to heaven. That's it, right? So we think about these things like I gave up this and I gave up this and I gave up. These are things of value, but often monetary value. Things that are worldly that we gave up, right? The payback is spiritual. The payback is but you get it back somewhat to me, I think, in life. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. They Sure, absolutely. All six things he gave up, he considered them rubbish. Yeah, yeah. And it did nothing to him. He thought what he had gained in Christ. We forget that God is number one goal is to make us like Jesus. Yes. If God's going to make us like Jesus, then we got to go through what Jesus went through. Sure. To some extent. Sure. And God didn't spare Jesus, and Jesus had a hard way to go ahead and give up sacrifice a lot before we'll be like Jesus. We've got to do that same thing. The fifth one up there, God has his plans in order, right? From the beginning. From the beginning. And Jesus is part of the plan, so are you. But we don't know when all this wraps up, right? We don't know what the timing is. I'm glad you guys questions about calendars at the beginning. Because no calendar has an end date. 
Because here in a couple of weeks, it'll be December the 31st, but what will the next day be? January 1st, it's 2022, whatever that means. And then at the end of that year, it'll be January, 21, January 1st, 2023. We can keep adding numbers, right? So our timing doesn't necessarily match with God. Because I know that my bill is due on December 15th, and if it's after that, it's due. That's when I have to be extra. God, timing, sequence, all this, operates a little different from us. So we have to be ready. Is that correct? We talked about that. So we have to be prepared for all of these sort of troubles that are going to hit as we go through this tunnel until we can finally make out to the end. Questions? Thoughts? Go ahead. I'll say that. Right. It's still refreshing to get the Finish line, right? Yeah. Well, I like the part about safety. Yeah. And I think in the dark, we, we, we do grasp, right? We, we do grasp. We can go through, the, go through your house in the middle of the night. You know, maybe not your house. You may know it pretty well by now. But you know, if you go through, if you wake up your hotel room or somebody else's house, you wake up in the middle of the night, you've got you to find, find your way. And seeking is something that we have to, you know, we kind of have to look for all of these things so as we go. That's the that's the feel of darkness, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> Any other questions? Thank you so much. Next week, I'll give you a week to learn how to pronounce it. <laughs>